Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> up good people and welcome to the triple threat podcast i am dj shockley and joining me on the other side of the mic is my man i call him scotty d but he calls himself scott davis scott how you doing brother what's up everybody oh he's changing a little bass in my voice this week change his voice every week y'all gotta let him know about that yeah i know your buddies clown you all the time about all kind of stuff (laughs) so that's i like to hear that Uh, a lot going on in the world man a lot going on in the sports world uh, before we get to in, any of that, I want to talk about my guy, Inky Johnson, who's going to join the show today. My man, Inky, is a motivational speaker. He goes all around the country, and I don't want to give away too much of his story, but uh, he has a fantastic story of overcoming obstacles and getting through some adversity. So can't wait to you guys hear me get my man, Inky, on here. and He can put some knowledge on everybody. But... Um, Looking forward to talking to him later. It's going to be fun. But let's jump into some of the things that's going on in sports. Talk about some of the things that's going on in the world. Better yet, I'm going to put a pause on that. I want to talk about something else first. My man Scotty D over here had a little something go on throughout this week. And uh, Scotty D, why don't you kind of explain what happened? Because I got a couple pictures this week. And at first I was like, bro, what happened to you? And then I was like, are you okay? But then I was like, hold on. This is crazy. Explain to the people what happened to you this week. Yeah, you haven't even heard the story really, right? Nah, okay. I just I just saw the picture. So the long and short of it is my brakes went out in my Jeep. And I used Are you the, sure they went out or did somebody cut? No. Nah. <laughs> you sure? Maybe we need to ask my wife what's yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. But how much that insurance policy, right? <sighs> <Yeah. Went, laughs> not much for me. Uh uh brakes went out of my Jeep. Okay. I got I got an old '86 uh, CJ7 classic, awesome fun Jeep. That I it just ain't drive awesome around. and classic no more. Yeah, it is. It's still good. <laughs> um, but uh, it's fun to ride ride around town and stuff. So I just left my son's football practice. Right, they had a scrimmage, so I was watching him play football. And then um, I needed to go to Walmart because my wife asked me to return some things. Oh, so your wife told you to go return? I got something. a box of stuff that's okay. been sitting on the counter for okay. a long time. Okay, and I got told. Take these to Walmart and return them. And, and I she say, said they needed to be returned right now. Yeah. Okay. And, and, okay. And, and, and there's no receipt, of course. So gotcha. anyway, uh, I was leaving football practice, headed to Walmart. Uh-huh. And I'm coming down this hill, coming into uh, an intersection that I'm going to turn right on. Okay. And all of a sudden, my brakes ain't working. <laughs> so you just pump it. Man, pump I never, it. I'm, I'm slamming it. The pedal's on the ground. And um, to make it worse, the timing or the uh, oncoming traffic is just getting their green light to turn left in front of me. So I don't have a lane to go into. So I, uh, I just pulled it up onto the sidewalk. Um, there was a car, there was a truck, like a 
full size pickup truck, I could right. touch it. If How I fast were you going? Right, not now? very fast. Okay. I, I, I had because I, I don't usually drive it very fast anyway. Okay, but, um, I was going fast enough where I would have t-bone this guy if I wouldn't have turned. So I turned up on the sidewalk, drove drove down the sidewalk for a little bit, hit a turning lane for a gas station. I pulled up in this gas station. And, um, they had a, they have a single parking spot next to the gas station mm. and I pulled into that, went up on the curb and hit the building. <laughs> you hit yeah. a building. I've got scratches on the plastic part of my fender and, and, pa- and paint on my bumper. That's it. My wheel went into the wall. My tire went into the wall. Now people, if you could it. see the picture, <laughs> Scott, you got to make sure you tweet this picture out. Cause All right. this mm. picture of what you did to this wall, I said, Oh man. My man Scott truck is total. Has to be total. No, hardly a just, scratch. Just a little scratch and a little paint. I talked to insurance today. We may have to may have to look at my get my steering looked at, but I may have popped something in my steering. But <laughs> man, the thirty three inch tire just went through the wall. Man, we both got some uh some some truck issues. My 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 truck I have now it's in the shop because they basically told me there was a piece in my in my engine. On, that holds the engine together that's broke and my injury basically can just fall out right now. Wasn't it in the shop when I was here last week? Yes, yes, because I'm trying to figure out I may need a new truck because I'm like, if I'm going to pay $1,500 to get this fixed and then I need another $700 for some stability track that goes on my truck, I might as well just get me a new truck. So yeah. right now I'm in the process of negotiations. So I got me a nice rental car yeah, and they've had it for about a week and a half. So I'm trying to figure it out right now. You take it to the dealer? Oh, yeah, I take it to the dealer. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure it dealer, out right now. Dealer, take you. Yeah, they'll take you. That's you're, not, why. you're not on the payroll there, are you? So I, I can know. say that, right? No, nah, okay. nah, I ain't on no payroll there for sure. Well, anyway, man, I've never been more scared in my life. Well, yeah. I've been, in, I've been in other wrecks before and been scared, but yeah, that sounds great. this happened in slow motion. There was a telephone pole by the sidewalk that and I don't you was know. on the one in the car, right? I, yeah, I don't know yeah. how I missed this telephone pole. I was lucky there was no pedestrians on the sidewalk. Could have been a lot worse, but it was. God it was, looking out for you, bro. Yeah, it was That's a scary. All, That's all, like, all right, so the other other piece of news is my man Scott got his first pull port that he did. Talk about the process of what you went through to make this, and I'm oh, I'm seriously? gonna try it right here on air and see what it tastes well, like. Well, YouTube is a miracle worker <laughs> for a lot of things, and somebody that's just starting to smoke stuff. Scott, you put any seasoning on this thing? Well, there was a rub on it. I didn't put anything on it after I cooked it. I mean, there was, there but was, it ain't it got was, no flavor. No, I'm it was a heavy rub. No, let me a know. heavy rub? Yeah, yeah, let me know because I have Let's my feelings about thing. it. We need more flavor. I know. You're right. Yeah. I wasn't happy. I'm, I'm going to keep it, I'm gonna keep it 100. We it's need, my first try though. But, I, but I'm, I'm not I'm not super happy with it. You know, we need a little bit more flavor. And you ate the bark too. That you that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's because yeah. the you bark got no flavor get, there. I know the bark usually got all the flavor. I'm, I know, but man, you know what? Hey, I ain't tried mine yet, so I can't talk about it. Yeah, we're it. gonna try yours when you do one. Trust me, it's gonna be banging. Guess what? I'm gonna have plenty <laughs> of seasoning on that. Yeah, thing I know you sure. have friends that are like pros in this in this sure. arena. So shout out my I, man, I imagine, Big Jim. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him. You, I know you're gonna uh, you're gonna get some <laughs> expert help. With all I had was YouTube. Oh man, it's and I had a few friends bounce stuff off of too, but you got a pro. All right, man. So you guys pray for Scott <sighs> in his '86 truck that he ran into a, a wall, and hopefully uh, all is good. Pray for him as well on getting his his pulled pork together. You need to get that dialed um, a little in. bit more flavor, but hey, it's all good, man. You know we all we all we all try. Uh, jumping into the world, we talk about on a Triple Threat podcast that. We're going to talk sports. We're going to talk culture. We're going to talk a little bit of everything because that's what life is. It's a little bit of everything. It's not all just sports. And 
Yesterday, a lot happened in the world of sports. The NBA, the WNBA, there were supposed to be a couple big-time games in the NBA. Yeah. There were supposed to be some big games in the WNBA. It all started with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic opting not to play. Both teams did not take the floor for their Game 5 matchup against each other. And after that, the Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder, the Lakers, and the Portland Trailblazers also fell suit. The WNBA, they did the same thing. They supported their brothers of the NBA, and they all opted out and decided not to play because of the social injustice and all the things that are going on in our country. And a lot of it stems to what happened this past Sunday with Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake is a 29-year-old man. He was shot seven times in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as he was walking back to his car where in his car were three of his young kids, three sons, matter of fact, age three, five, and eight. And it brings a lot of talk to the unrest of what's going on in the country, a lot of things that are uncomfortable to talk about in the country. We talk about Breonna Taylor still uh, not having her justice. We all know about George Floyd and the police officer having his knee on his neck for eight minutes. And now we have Jacob Blake, another black man being shot. And it's been one of these situations that's been talked about all around the country. Everybody has their opinions. And myself as a black male, I find it ridiculous. I find it just, it's, it's one of those things that's deep down that you say, how is this continuing to happen? Why is this continuing to be forefront in all the news media? Why is this happening every other month we turn around? Why hasn't there been change to happen in our country where unarmed black men and women are being shot and killed in broad daylight? And one of the things that has really, I thought has been pretty awesome is the, the outpour of major sports figures Mm -hmm. speaking up. We saw LeBron James, Doc Rivers came to tears talking about how America doesn't love black people. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw CP3 get asked a question after a game and took the narrative to social injustice, voting, bringing awareness. He's a guy who had Breonna Taylor name on his shoes. I mean, These guys are using their platform, and I think I would be remiss to not use this platform to speak on some of the things that are going on. And obviously, these are tough conversations, but I think they have to be had in this day and age of what's going on in the world. And if these conversations are not had, nothing will ever change. And for me, being a black male, having to have had issues being a black male driving before, Mm-hmm. I've been pulled over before because I've been in a nice car <clears throat> right. and a police officer has come up to my car and met me with some kind of hostility until they go back and run my name. Yeah. And all of a sudden everything's okay. Yeah. But what if I didn't have this name? What if I didn't have sports? What if I wasn't right. that guy that people recognize? What would be become of me? Mm-hmm. And Scott, I tell you, man, one of the tough things that I had to do is you have a son. I have a son to have to sit down and explain to my eight-year-old son 
about things that are going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And I had to tell him, hey, there were no games that are going to happen tonight, which was last night because of another person who looks like me and you has been shot. And he instantly looked at me and said, why? And for me, that's tough. That's tough to explain to my son that when the police get pull you over, you have to do X, Y, and Z because you don't want things to happen to you or to worry about him when he goes out because of the color of his skin. And my son has these like little, little blonde things on top of his head, you know, and we all talk about perception and what it's all about. And sometimes I worry about that, but I want him to have his own personality, but not have to worry about people looking at him a certain kind of way because he has that going on. And I'm glad that we both can sit here and have this conversation because it goes both ways. And I tell many people that I know I got plenty of friends, um, black, white, and different, whatever it is, even though you haven't gone through it, the fact that you want to help, you want to change, you want to have some dialogue about it speaks volumes to me. Yeah. I, this isn't a conversation I want to have, you know, it's, it really isn't. And, um, I came out here excited about, you know, some of the things we were going to be talking about. And a lot of that got kind of pushed to the side because of this. And, um, you know, I, the struggle that I have is that I can't, I can't relate. Right. You know, I just can't. Right. And, um, I guess what I would want you to know is there's, well, not, I guess this would be my belief is that first of all, I don't think most cops are bad. Right. I don't think most white people are racist. For sure. I don't, I don't know that. For I know sure. that's the case. Absolutely. And there's some people that are trying to, trying to bridge that gap from, from our side. Yeah. If you want to say it that yeah, way. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I had to, when all this started, um, I had to have a discussion with my son. It wasn't the same discussion you have to have with your son because you're going to have to have that talk when he starts driving. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But what I did say is, um, you know, he, we, and, 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 and I think it's important, and this is what I told him, you have to differentiate between, and this isn't necessarily addressing the issue directly, but you have to differentiate the difference between protesters and then the people that are rioting, burning, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, d- doing that you. stuff. For sure. And I told him, I said, you have to understand, you have black friends. You have to understand they are going to have, in part, a different experience than you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I made sure I told him that and 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 wanted him to understand that. Because he, he's always been in sports and, and has, you know, his his school, for where we live, it's pretty, it's pretty reasonably diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and he hangs out with, with kids that don't look like him. Yeah. And so I thought it was important to tell him that early on, this was three months ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I think it's important to me. The most important part of any of this from my standpoint is that people that look like me are having these kind of discussions with other people that look like him. Right. Like me. Right. Uh, and I don't know if it's adequate. I don't know that I'm equipped to, 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 do what's a- adequate. Like I told you, I wasn't, I'm not excited about having this conversation mm-hmm. one bit. I, I prefer funny stuff over For levity sure. no any doubt. day. No doubt. I don't think nobody wants to have it. I think it's one of those type of conversations where we're having it because it's happening. I know. And that's the tough part about it. And we all wish it was not happening. And right. I tell people all the time, 
not trying to make it a black or white thing, just trying to make it, it's a right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think on the major scale of it, you can have empathy for it. There are a lot of people who say, okay, I haven't went through it. I haven't been through this, but you can have empathy for a person. You could see something and say, I know that's not right. Yeah. Oh, I know that's wrong. Like that's where I feel a lot of people maybe are, are, are tethering the fence a little bit. They're trying to, you know, play both sides when there's no playing a size on this. It's either I'm all in. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to help however way I can. And obviously, like you mentioned, it's going to be tougher to explain it when you're not going through it. But I love the fact that you're willing to have the conversation. There are a lot of people who can wake up in the morning or wake up at night or, I mean, go to sleep at night and not do anything and don't feel the void to say, hey, I can step in. I can make my voice known. So uh, I'm glad that we're able to have this this conversation. I'm glad we're able to have this platform to be able to speak our own truths and with no judgment and be able to, you know, talk about some of the things that are going on in our country because they're, the things that are happening, you, you can't turn a blind eye to them. And as much as we love sports, as much as we want basketball, we want football, there are bigger issues in our country that needs to be settled. There are bigger issues that need to be accounted for. And this is unprecedented times in our country. We're talking about the coronavirus. We're talking about uh, the social injustice. We're talking about needing police reform. I mean, there's so many issues that our country needs right now. I heard this story that LeBron uh, mentioned the other day, and he talks about a young kid playing in his driveway and he sees the police drive by. And as the police drive by, he goes and hides behind his car. And you're talking about an uneasy feeling in your own driveway, having to go hide because you're afraid of the police driving by. I mean, those are some of the things that, you know, uh, you know, I, I think I worry about. Uh, I know a lot of people look at it and say, wow, that's that's unbelievable. But it's the truth, in fact, of the world we live in that a lot of black people live in fear and it's a terrible place to be. It's a terrible situation to be in, but until things change, until we stop seeing things like we see on the TV that's been happening uh, to, to unarmed black men and women, it's going to be one of those situations we continue to live in fear. But uh, big kudos to the NBA, WNBA. There were some baseball games that were uh, also, well, the teams opted out. So using that major platform for all those guys, knowing what is really right. Uh, I give those guys a lot of props and kudos. So uh, congrats to those guys, man. I, I hope something comes from it. I know uh, the Milwaukee Bucks actually reached out to the governor uh, of Milwaukee and, you know, they're, they're trying to make sure that they have some kind of change go on. So big props to those guys, man. Um, Notice was a subject that uh, took a little bit out of everybody, but I thought it was a subject that had to be addressed. Um, so, uh, I want to thank you guys for, uh, listening to me vent a little bit. Um, uh, but I'm sure a lot of you out there are doing the same thing, especially with these uneasy times. So, so thank you for, for hanging on with me coming up next. I got my man, Inky Johnson. I told you he's going to be inspirational. He has some great words of wisdom to bring to everybody. Uh, and has a wonderful story. I think you'll get so much from it. Can't wait to talk to former Tennessee volunteer, my man, Inky Johnson.
joining me on the Triple Threat Podcast. A good friend of mine, guy I've known for a long time, former UT Vol, and that's welcome <laughs> from me. UT Vol now uh, known around the world for motivational speaking. My man Iggy Johnson, Ig, how you doing, man? Appreciate oh, man. you on the show, man. But first off, how you and the fam doing? We're great, man. We're great. I appreciate you, man. As always, it's an honor to be on. Most importantly, man, I appreciate your platform and what you're doing. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that, man. You, you know, it's uh, I've had the, uh, the privilege to talk to a lot of different people, and when I've had to tell people that, hey, I'm getting a chance to talk to my man Inky tonight, who, who a lot of people know your story, a lot of people don't know your story, but um, a lot of people excited to hear some of the things you got to say. I want to before we get into some of the particulars, I want to go back to uh, early age inquiries, if I can say that. Right. <laughs> uh, you got it. You got it. Uh, Young man from the east side. East side. Talk That's about, right. Talk about growing up, man, family household, you know, some of the things you had to go through at a young age. I know, you know, you had to live in a house with 14 people. Talk about growing up and, and kind of how, you know, you, you went through that process. Yeah, man. So, uh, as you said, man, born east side of Atlanta, uh, Kirkwood to be exact, two-bedroom home, 14 people. Uh, mom had me at 16, and, you know, nobody in my family had been to college. Uh, most of them had dropped out in high school. Just a different environment, you know, a lot of uncles going in and out of prison. Um, and I saw everything under the sun, you know, very young. I got exposed to a lot, and it made me want to go and do something for my family. And I felt as if the vehicle was football. And so coming up, man, being exposed to a lot, it worked both ways, good and bad. You know, I saw a lot of good examples in my coaches, teachers, and influences in the community, but I also saw a lot of negative examples. And I saw the collateral damage. And so as I got older, I think it made me a little bit more focused because I was exposed to so much at an early age. And it made me grateful, man, because coming up, sleeping on the floor, I was just grateful for every blessing that I did get, you know, the older I got. You talk about some of the struggles you had to go through, obviously coming up. Um, obviously, we all know in life there are a lot of different struggles that we all go through each and every day. Uh, talk about that vehicle of football, man. Uh, a lot of us who played that game know exactly what that means. But talk about a guy who was a two, three-star guy out of Crim. Uh What was that process like for you? And ultimately, how did you come to choose the University of Tennessee? <laughs> You know, DJ, man, a lot of people don't know this, man. Like, of course, I wasn't highly recruited. You know, they, I always joke with people and say they gave me two stars, you know, at the end because they felt bad for me. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but Rick was one of the first people to come see me, man. Rick, uh, John Eason, yeah. and Rodney Gardner. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because Gardner spoke at our high school banquet, you know. And so uh, Rick talked to my mom. But academically... You know, I, I was messed up, you know what I'm saying? Because I just didn't know. Like, I didn't know about the clearinghouse. I'm coming out of Crim, and I'm just thinking I'm going to go D1. Yeah. But academically, I didn't know my core courses I had to have. And so when Rick and those guys came in, I came up on a visit uh, to Georgia. My friend Thomas Brown at the time, man, of course, yeah. is going to Georgia, TB. You know, and, and when I came up there, Rick was like, man, you, you get your grades straight. <laughs> We got you. And I don't think he, th he thought I was going to make it, to be honest. And at the time, I didn't doubt him because it didn't look like I was going to make it because 
I didn't have my SAT, ACTs in order, nor did I pass, at the time, my Georgia high school graduation test. Right. So Georgia, you don't pass the Georgia high school graduation test, you ain't okay. graduating. So yeah. it, it ain't about college. And um, I was telling him, like, man, I'm going I'm to do it, man. And, and Tennessee came in, and former was like, no, I believe in you. He was like, I'm going to see you in the summer. You're going to do what you got to do. And coming up in my life, the male figures that I gravitated to the most was cats that said pretty much, no, nah, you're going to do what you got to do. You're going to handle your business. Mm-hmm. Like cats that gave me that leeway and that trust. And I'm the type of cat, I'm real loyal. And right. so if somebody give me their trust and somebody give me their time, I want to do right by them. And so when he gave me that scholarship, it meant a lot to me, man, because I was the first one in my family to make it, but also coming out of Crim. That was big. Yeah, east side. We all know it's a tough coming from that east side. I'm from the south side, so we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got similar growings up. But uh, no, 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 you get to Tennessee, man. Obviously, uh, you, you play as a freshman, play as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about them first couple of years, man. The first couple of years, you were lights out, man. Playing, playing yeah, some man. football. You know, what I mean, getting a chance to see what the SEC ball is like. Talk about first off your your mental mindset. Uh, going to college, and then while you got there, those first couple years, what was it like to say, hey, I can actually do it on this level when a lot of people thought maybe I couldn't? Man, for me, it was like, I went in, I remember my first meeting, DJ, you know how you have a meeting with your counselor or your advisor, yeah. and they're like, what's your plan? And I'm like, man, I want to graduate in three and go to the league. And they're like, well, academically, you <laughs> – <laughs> You're in pretty bad shape. <laughs> man, man, but I need to help my family, man. Yeah. So when I went in there, I had a plan. You know what I'm saying? And I wasn't trying to let nothing deter me for that. Because my mom, you know, she was working that double shift at Wendy's at mm-hmm. the time. And I'm up there and I'm like, man, my family depending on this. And so my mindset going into it was, ain't handle your business and don't do anything to play yourself out of this situation because a lot of people invested in you and believed in you to get you in this situation. And so every practice, off-season weight room, like I barely went home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like cats used to be calling me, ain't you coming home? Like, and I get home and I handle my business, you know? And, and I went home more, you know, probably in my freshman year than after that. Like I really didn't go home, man, because I was up there trying to handle my business. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. Cause I mean, I think we all had that, mindset of we wanted more we want to do better and we're going to make sure like you say you want to get your family into a better spot um i remember we played you guys in 05 and uh <laughs> I, my memory served me correct we got you 27 14 you <laughs> I, I went back and looked up the stats and you had about three tackles in that game yeah, uh, yeah. but fast forward man to that junior year because yeah, yeah. obviously this is the part where Life changes for you. And going into that junior year, I remember I saw you and you said, hey, man, I got 10 games and I'm going to go to that next level. No doubt. You play good that freshman year, that sophomore year. You got a name out there. You're fast. You can cover. Mm-hmm. And you get into that junior year, you already got 10 tackles, got an interception. Everything's going right. Everything's going good. And then September 9th happens. Talk us through mm-hmm. – September 9th, and how that day kind of ultimately changed your life in a lot of different ways. Yeah, man, that, that day is something that, you know, I'm extremely thankful for. You know, it, it's a day that, like you said, changed everything for me. But that game against Air Force, 
to be honest with you, as a team, we felt as if we knew it was going to be tough because them cats was running a triple option. <laughs> but we felt as if that thing tough. Right. <laughs> but, like, you know what I'm saying? We felt well, like man, you don't get no game out there on that triple option. Uh, boy, that thing, the truth. <laughs> we felt like we had them though. We was like, man, we're, we're handling these cats and get ready for Florida the next week. And when the fourth quarter rolled around, it was a different story. And them cats had the ball and they was driving to win the game. And I'm I'm mad. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, these cats coming in here, like I hope they throw it my way. You right. know, I want them to throw it my way so I can end the game, make a tackle, force a fumble or something. And they did it. I got my wish. They threw it my way. And I went to hit the cat. And at the point of contact, bro, it felt as if my soul left my body. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't feel nothing, couldn't control nothing. I fell to the ground. I blacked out. And when my eyes opened, I couldn't move. You mm. know, and cats was coming over. You know how your boys do ink. Let's go. Get up. Let's rock. Like, bro, I can't. And they was like, what you mean you can't? I'm like, I can't move. And it was like a shock was going through my body. And then as if it left, but it stayed in my arm. Mm. And they put me on a stretcher, wheeled me off, and they get me to the hospital. They run their tests, put me back in the room. When I was sitting in the room, the doctor came in after my mother had just left. And my man was like, he was screaming for the guys. Like, guys, guys, get in here. We got to rush him back to emergency surgery. He's about to die. And I thought my man was just like, playing or something because it was cool up until that moment right and i'm like die He's like yeah die i was like what happened he said we ran a test we noticed you ruptured your subclavian artery in your chest you're bleeding internally he's mm -hmm. like we got to rush you back take your main vein out of your left leg plug it into your chest in order to save your life and he wow. said oh i guarantee you you won't be alive in the morning and i was like bet let's do it and the next morning i woke up and i had hey, six were you this calm talking to the doctor Bro, I was just ready to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, when I heard die, and he was, <laughs> and he was yeah. serious, I'm like, bro, let's just go. When he said, you you won't be here in the morning, I'm like, bro, let's go. Wow. And and when I woke up that next day, man, like, I had six cuts down my left thigh, cut across the left side, right side of my neck, twice through my right ribs, cut up my right pec. And it was a big scar from the bottom of my armpit all the way down to my hand. Mm. I'm like, man, I thought they was just doing an artery. And he was like, when we went in, we noticed you tore the nerves from your spinal cord that controls your shoulder, your arm, your hands, and your fingers. Oh. And he was saying, like, he, he was saying it, but he didn't want to say it. Right. He was like, yeah, your career is probably over. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't want to say definite, but I, I got the drift, like, yeah, it's probably, it's probably over. But I didn't want to believe it because of where I was in that moment. Right. Man, I mean, to be 19, 20 years old in that moment and realizing your future is so close and then that fast is always taken away. As athletes, we always are taught it could be here today, going tomorrow. And literally, you had that happen. Talk about initially the mindset, your mental makeup of what happened next after you started filling in? And I know you talked about stories of how you had coaches come in and talk about, hey, what's the next step for you? We're going to send you home, all that kind of stuff. But talk about the initial, after you found out, okay, I possibly won't be playing anymore, where did you go next mentally? Yeah, so, so you know how it is, DJ, man. When you play sports, like, you got a bond that's, like, unbelievable with your guys. It's like even with us, right? Like, we played at different schools. But it's a certain respect. Like, if we out and we kicking it, 
we all got a certain respect for each other and we gonna always ride with each other regardless because of the brotherhood that sports bring. And it's like, when I couldn't play anymore or when I was thinking about it and it was like, Ink, what you wanna do? I'm like, man, I need to get back around my guys. Yeah. You know, because I knew that was gonna fuel me, right? I knew I needed to be at practice. I knew I needed to be in meetings. I knew I needed to be at workouts. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I told him. I was like, man, get me a dungeon sling and a Velcro strap. And he was <laughs> like, Ink, you can't play. I was like, this ain't about a game, right? Like, I need to go to practice. I need to be around my guys, man, because they're going to help me get through this. Right. Yeah. Man, the next steps of what you do, I think is probably the most important. And Absolutely. I think a lot of people probably, in that given situation, you got a couple ways you can go. And just hearing you talk from that instant, it wasn't a give up on myself moment. It wasn't a situation where a lot of kids these days – you, you, you get placed with an obstacle, you get thrown adversity, and you curl up in the ball. You use this as an opportunity to better yourself and also turn it into something different. What happens the next year, the next two years, as you start to become, this is my norm? Mm-hmm. So um, it, was, it was a lot of rehab. And through rehab, it shaped my mentality in terms of what I do now. Yeah. And so I was placed in a position to where it was pretty much no guarantees. Like they told me, Inc, you can go this period, you give us a year and a half, two years, and we'll see what happens with your arm. We'll order you the best pieces of equipment, give you the best doctors. And everybody's like, don't do it, man. Like it'll break your spirit. Like they can't guarantee you nothing anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And I did it, right? These guys show up like every day do all these exercises, get up off the table, and be like, what y'all got for me? Y'all seeing anything? They're like, Ink, we're not seeing nothing. To the point to where one of my PTs started crying one day, bro, like in the room. Like, he was like, bro, we wanted to work. Yeah. We wanted to a device. My man said, we want your arm to work, right? And I'm like, I know, man. But through that, I was still serving because mm. I had this time, I wasn't playing. And so I would go out, Habitat for Humanity, Anything I can do when I could serve. And when I would go, people would always be like, hey, man, what happened to your arm? And I would be like, oh, it's just a football injury. And try to, like, get him to go about the business. They were like, no, what happened to your arm? Like, your arm looked different and smaller. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, a football injury. They'd be like, well, what happened? And I'd tell them what happened. And before I knew it, there would be a crowd there. And then when I would be leaving, cats would be like, man, you need to speak. I'm like, nah, I ain't trying to speak. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And um, I was just praying, man. And, and through that rehab and through serving, like I always tell people, it introduced me into my purpose and what I'm doing now, you know? Um, what has been the most satisfying thing from that point in September to where you are now, the fact that now you get an opportunity where you thought, pleasing thousands of fans was going to be your calling to now where you're still pleasing thousands and millions of people by your word. I mean, talk about that feeling, that mentality that you feel when you get a chance to get in front of people and you're captivating the audience the same way you did when you between those lines. Oh man. Like, well, it's a level of peace. It's hard to understand. Like, because, you know, as athletes, man, we're, we're ambitious, we're driven, we're committed, we're dedicated. 
And when the game got taken away from me, I'm going to be honest, man, I felt like a piece of me like got taken out of me, you know, because I was a competitor. I loved it. And more than anything, I was like, man, God, just give me something that's going to replace that feeling, right? And what I do now is such a level of peace that comes with it. Like it's confirmation yeah. that I'm doing what I, I was put on this earth to do. At one point, I thought it was football. But like, bro, I, I get a letter from a kid. You know, I'm talking about sent in the mail that'll be like, the greatest thing my teacher ever did for me was show me an Inky Johnson video. Mm. You know, I'll be talking to somebody in the hospital with a brachial plexus injury, same injury similar to what I got, you know, because none of them are the same, but it's different brachial plexus injuries, you know, and stuff like that, man, I'll be out with my son, my daughter, my family, and somebody will come up and be like, man, I appreciate what you do and how you do it. I can take a picture with you. Like that stuff means a lot to me, you know, because I never planned to do this. Yeah. And so for me, it's confirmation, but more than anything, bro, it's peace. You know, yeah. I got peace that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's a, it's pretty cool, man. I, I've seen videos where, especially with everything going on in our country these days, and I saw a police officer standing in the middle of a street talking to people, and he talking about something that you said. I mean, average volumes. Um, oh, people crazy. all over the country talking to athletes, talking to corporations. Mm -hmm. And I think one phrase I think it, it, that I, I've heard you mention, and I think it goes for athletes, it goes for everybody in the working world, it goes for everyday people is, is talking about character, because character, everybody has. And Absolutely. I would love to, you know, elaborate a little bit more uh, from you about it, where you say character is something we, we don't inherit. It's something Absolutely. you gotta wake up every single day and build on it. Talk about, right. talk about that character, because obviously you are a living proof that Character means a lot, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this. A lot of people who listen to you. They're growing through those moments where their character is tested every single day. Absolutely. How do you go about that part of building that character, and how do people go about being a better person when trying to, you know, make sure their character is in the right spot? Absolutely, man. I think I think that's all we got at the end of the day, DJ man. Like when it's all said and done, they strip us down of everything we require, like all we got is our character, right? Like my favorite quote is a quote by Dr. King that says, you judge the character and caliber of a person, not by where they stand in times of comfort and convenience, but where they stand in times of challenge and controversy, yeah. right? And every single day, like character, we can't inherit that. No matter who our parents were, no matter what they did, we gotta get up and we gotta build it. Every single day through our decisions, through our choices, through how we treat people, through how we handle our business, it's like you. As an athlete, as great as you were as an athlete, like your character and what you do now and how you do it, it's going to supersede that times 10, Absolutely. right? But if you didn't have the character, your talent wouldn't really matter. It's a lot of cats that we both know that were talented in athletics. And then after that, it just stopped for them, mm -hmm. right? And then there's other cats that character was just as strong and their character is going to take them 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years past their careers in sports. And they're going to do some incredible things because what they do and how they live their life, it coincides and it's one, you know? And so that's what character is to me. It's most important. Yeah. It's money in the bank for sure. I mean, my, I tell kids all the time, man, people are going to forget how many touchdowns you throw, how many tackles you got, but they gonna remember that one time they met you in the grocery store, that one time they met you at the airport, whatever that is, you got to yeah. make that first impression uh, big. Talking about you, obviously speaking all over the country, speaking to, 
some of the major colleges all around the country. What are some of the, the tough questions that you get asked that you think is probably uh, beneficial for people or kids, whoever are uh, going through things? What are some of those tough things that people ask you? Yeah, man, so with all that's going on in the world right now, like with the social injustice, DJ, like I was on the phone with a team and a coach hit me up prior to, and he was like, Inc., like I really need you to talk to the squad, man, and I want you to be real and raw with him about what's going on. And so I was like, can I be real with him? Like, mm -hmm. and he was like, yeah, I was like, all right, cause I'm gonna be real when we spark dialogue. And he was like, okay, and we get on the phone and we talking, man, it's going well. And I roll into this piece and I'm talking and one of his players asked a question and my man was like, Ink, do you think we're witnessing the modern day Emmett Till? Mm. And I was like, man, I think so. And, but it, start, it sparked a dialogue, right? Yeah. And everybody was giving their input. And at the end, I'm talking about it was a beautiful dialogue. And at the end, the coach says, hey, fellas, I got a question. And I was like, what's up? And he was like, who is Emmett Till? And some of the players was like, coach, you don't know Emmett Till? Other players was like, wait, man, this is a time to, to educate. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the coach said something that I felt was important. A man said, I, I could have sat aside and act as if I knew what you guys were speaking about and talking about and played the game. He said, but I think that's part of what's wrong with the world and the country. People stand aside and they play the game because it's an uncomfortable situation. Right. And so for me to be able to be used as a vehicle to navigate some of these tough, uncomfortable situations and, and conversations, I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm grateful for it, man. But also just touching the young men, you know, and making them understand that well, I'm a living example of one day you got the game and the next day your life is totally different, but you responded to it in the right way because of how you handle and went about your business on the day to day. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I mean, that's, the proof is in the pudding, man. You're getting people to conversate, getting people to, to talk about it is exactly that first step. Uh, I know a lot of people listening, a lot of people uh, probably want to know, you know, when you were hurt, what did you do physically? Like we talked about mentally overcoming obstacles, but of course this had a lot to do. You, you lose, you know, your entire right arm is paralyzed. You can't do anything with it. Talk about, did you have to do things with your left hand? Did you have to do, you know, what other stuff you had to overcome physically? We talked about the mental part, but the physical part of it, I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear how you overcame that as well. Yeah, that was, that was tough, man, because you know, I was right hand dominant, and then I had to learn how to write with my left hand, mm. uh, <laughs> you know, trying to tie my shoes with my left hand. Right. Still, still ain't got that joint, but it's all good. <laughs> it's all good, you know. But man, like with my background of being an athlete, I took it all as a challenge, you right. know. And it was all good, but you know, early on, it was it was tough, man. And also now with having kids, like sometimes I try to explain things to my son or my daughter, and I can't show them. Right. But the beautiful part of it is, it forces me to be a better communicator and a better teacher when I'm trying to explain something because I can't show them. Right. And so looking at that thing with the right perspective, man, but also just making a pivot and the adjustment, yeah. you know, to do what you got to do. Yeah. Talk about your beautiful family, man. We got a couple more things. I'm going to let you get out of here. Uh, but you got a beautiful family. Uh, your kids obviously are, are active. Uh, I see you fully involved in their life, you know, beautiful wife, all that kind of stuff. Talk about, the things that 
your kids ask you? Because I'm sure your kids, you know, obviously they know dad, they, they know he's been through some stuff, but how do your kids, you know, go about explaining maybe to their friends or, you know, uh, about what happened to dad? Do you have to go through that part as well with your kids and all that? Oh, no doubt, man. No <laughs> doubt. I remember the first time we was out, man, just hanging out and somebody came up to me and was like, oh man, thank you, you know, for what you do. Can I get a picture? And you know, your kids, they looking at you like, what do you, what do you want a picture with you for? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's that about? What's that about? And I, I started telling them because of my arm, you know? And it's like, cause your arm like that, your arm been like that. Like, and I'm like, nah, it's a story behind it. You know, and they open up dialogue for me to just teach them about what happened to me and talk to them about how it affected other people because of how I handled it. But also, man, like my wife, me and my wife been at it since fifth grade. You know what mm. I'm saying? Grew up same neighborhood, two blocks away from each other. You know? So it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing that family, man. I, I think I'm able to do what I do and how I do it because of my family. Yeah. You know? I mean, dang, that's, that's all. I mean, I thought I had your beat, man. I always, yeah. I mean, I've been with my wife since high school. So I, thought, I thought I had it for a long time. Hey, y'all, y'all there, no doubt. Uh, last thing I got for you, man, obviously, if anybody looks you up, they see how dynamic of a speaker you are. Uh, the preparation I know has to go into it to maybe deliver a message to a group of people who maybe know you played, maybe you didn't, but getting that point across. But one, one thing that I thought and that I, I've heard you speak a couple times on it is the passion you have when you start something, as opposed to when you face adversity, you face obstacles, and then having that same passion to get through it. And when I've heard that message, it speaks beyond sports. It speaks beyond athletes. It speaks to every person in the world because we all go through stuff. Absolutely. I would love you to elaborate on that as we get out of here on – the passion to start something and why you don't have that same passion when that adversity and the obstacle hits you. Absolutely. Because like, like with what you just said, DJ, like I just used to ask cats the question, like, can you stay committed to what you said you would do long after the mood you set it in has left? Mm. Most importantly, when the situation or the circumstances change, like, man, Kirby dropped something on me yesterday and it ties right into what we're talking about. We were talking about just the adjustment with everything and how it's been at UGA, you know, with all the corona, all the protocol. And he said, um, I asked the cats, can they have uh, mental agility? Mm. And I was like, I like that. I was like, break it down to me. And he was like, basically, you know, like when a cat starts something and then they got to make a pivot or they got to change, mm -hmm. right? Or they get in the midst of it and something is happening or something is going wrong, right? Can you have mental agility? And so it's, it's kind of like what I talk about with cats, like you start off and you're on fire and you're passionate, right? You're going hard. But when you don't get what you want, can you still keep that passion? When it doesn't go the way you want it to go, can you still keep that passion? Because at the end of the day, that's what makes us who we are, DJ Right? Like it ain't about what we do when everything go right. Yeah. It's about who we are when things go wrong. You know what I'm saying? I love that. I love that, man. You know what? I think a lot of people who get a chance to listen to you. A lot of people who get a chance to hear this podcast will be enlightened. And I appreciate you for being a real brother. I appreciate you for the things you do in the community. I appreciate the things that you do around the country and educating our youth, um, but most importantly, using your platform, man. So uh, 
I know people are going to get a lot from listening to my man, Inky Johnson. Get yeah. balls finest. <laughs> but uh, more than anything, man, I appreciate you being a good brother and a good friend, man. Oh, man, likewise, bro. I appreciate your heart. You know it's nothing but respect, man, and love, bro. Thank you. Right, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you joining yeah. the Triple Three Podcast, bro. We'll catch you later, man. But uh, stay safe, man, and keep the family good, man. My dog. I got you, bro. Appreciate it. Man, I can't thank Inky Johnson enough for coming on to the Triple Threat Podcast today, spilling his heart, telling us some of those good facts, some of those good gems that he put on uh, a lot of people. So, Inky, appreciate you, man. Love the work. Enjoy it. And uh, I want to thank everybody for joining me on the Triple Threat Podcast today. It's been fun. Hope you guys continue to subscribe. Hope you guys continue to share and also retweet the Triple Threat Podcast. We look forward to talking and listening every single week to all you guys. We'll see you guys next week for my man Scotty D. I'm DJ Shockley. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.